This is DJ Maceo, a.k.a. Dr. Spock. You know what it is. It's your boy, Young Guru, a.k.a. The Beast, a.k.a. Hank McCoy, a.k.a. Not a Brahma. Hey, yo, 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 this is Foul Munch. Oh, hey, this is your friendly neighborhood superhero, Gene Gray. What's up? This is Spike Lee from the Republic of Brooklyn, New York. This is Axel Alonso, editor-in-chief of Marvel Comics. When I'm not sitting at my desk ruling the comic book universe, I'm listening to Fan Bros. Welcome to the Fan Bros, the show where the bros are fans. What's up, internets, and welcome to another Fan Bros special delivery. Uh, this is Chico Leo, and I'm uh, flying the escape pod high over the now clear skies of Brooklyn. And I've got, uh, as my co-pilot, back, back from the dead, we've got... <laughs> I'm, I'm resurrected. Like, exactly. Like Omar Epps. It's Kimsonian, but actually, I'm not in the escape pod, man. I feel like I want to be in the Nostromo tonight. You want to be in the Nostromo, just you and the alien? No, just just me and Ripley. Right, all right. And the cat. <laughs> right, you and Ripley and the cat. Jonesy? Jonesy. Jonesy is the cat? Exactly, Jonesy. Um, I actually, uh, it's fun. I, I recently saw Inside Lewin Davis, the Coen Brothers movie, and there's a cat that looks like Jonesy that plays a big role in that movie. And so I actually have thought of Jonesy the cat recently in a, you know, in a, in a non like psychotic cat person. <laughs> there you go. So uh, we're here actually not to talk about uh, Ripley or cats, but we are here to talk about uh, The Walking Dead. And the most recent episode is called Forget. And I think the reason they named it that is because they forgot about uh, basically every character that wasn't Daryl, Sasha, Rick, or uh, Carol. <laughs> we, we didn't. We didn't really see. Uh, uh, a bunch of the characters in tonight's episode, which is a, a problem when you have a larger cast. Lost would do the same thing where you suddenly wouldn't see, you know, regular characters for like two, you know, like you haven't seen Sun and Jin for like three episodes. Anyway, I would have liked to have seen um, what's his face, the dude with the uh, with the mullet at that party. You mean Daryl? Eugene. No, oh, Eugene. Oh, Eugene. Oh, yeah. I thought yeah, yeah. Eugene, yeah, I thought there was a real missed opportunity. There was a party. So I guess we, 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 we start at the beginning. Our crew has come to the, to, um, at, where are they? Alexandria, Virginia? Right. They're in Alexandria, yeah. And they're in a behind a very safe wall. And uh, they're in, you know, basically the perfect, like, you couldn't get better than this in the sense that they're in these really nice houses that have solar. You know, solar electricity and all the the water stuff is all taken care of. So they've got running water and um, they're trying to acclimate. But they kind of have the upper hand because even the people who are in there know that they're much fresher or much doper because they've been. They're certainly not fresher, but uh, doper because they've been out, you know, out among the zombies for a couple of years um and so the 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 two groups the the people in alexandria and our crew are sort of you know trying to join together um and there's a big party to welcome them and uh, we definitely see the differences and sasha kind of flips out at the you know sort of first world problems that the people in alexandria are complaining about and talking about when you know she's just been out on the road, you know, having her, you know, her lover is killed terribly. 
her brother is killed terribly. You know, I mean, it's it's and, and she's seen. And, yeah, she's seen horrible things. And all these white women want to talk about is cookies and a pasta maker and a pasta. maker. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy. I, I just right. to rewind a little bit. Alexandria is a suburb of D.C. that is very kind of uh, government kind of, like people who work for the government there, you know, live there and stuff. But either way, um, this Alexandria is run by this. I like to call her the governess because it, it seems like all these utopias are run by some sort of ego maniacal, I don't know, character who has some agenda and rules and all this stuff. And what's interesting is that as a fan of Rick's crew, you know the rules of survival based on trial and error with Rick's crew. And every time they meet up with these other kind of established, more what look like more utopian conditions you know something bad is going to happen. I think the episode was called Forget because they forgot to make something really bad happen this episode. And it's right. like they just set up everything and, and you're just on the edge of your seat like, oh, I know that's going to happen. Oh, I know something. And then it, it didn't happen. But instead what you get are all these like little clues. And and I guess Sasha's breakdown is the or her yelling at the party is the only thing where I was kind of like I totally felt – in line with Sasha. Like I identify with a character every episode and this episode it was, I was Sasha a hundred percent when she was talking to Deanna at the, at the, um, the gate. I, she, I said it first. I said, it's not real. And then Sasha said, it's, you know, this isn't real. And I was like, right. yes, like, you know, I'm tuned in, you know, and, and that kind of thing. But either way, it's to me, it's just generally frustrating you know, when something like this happens and what was really frustrating is how it affects all the characters that you have such confidence in, in their badassery. But like Michonne is about to hang up her katana and I'm like, what what kind of show am I watching right now? She's got a she got a cheesy ass mall cop jacket on. Right. I don't know. It was it was just Well, at least much. when she hung up the katana, it wasn't in its sheath like she's ready to grab it if she needs it. And, you know, the. The old rule in drama, Chekhov's gun, you know, if you introduce a gun in the first act, it has to go off in the third act. And I feel like we're going to see that come off the wall, you know, before this season is over. Well, something's up because these people are clearly, the people of Alexandria are clearly deluded from what's really going on. Um, This side episode, what did you think about this kind of subplot of uh, Aaron and Daryl going out to shoot the horse or to capture the horse? Not to shoot it, but to to get this horse. uh, What what did you think about that? All right. So, I mean, on on multiple levels. One, I heard a rumor a year ago that Daryl, that that it was going to be established that Daryl was gay. So I, I couldn't help but think about that just given the circumstances. I would not have thought that had I, you know, not heard that rumor, um, which I think was like in between the fourth and fifth seasons. Um, so whether or not that rumor is true, just having heard the rumor on the one hand, I definitely thought that, um, you know, thought of that. I w- again, I wouldn't have thought of that if it hadn't been uh, it been for that rumor. Um, on the other uh, hand, I just thought dramatically it was more interesting to make Daryl, who was the one who was most resistant to joining the crew, be the one who, you know, they win his heart through, you know, horse wrangling and motorcycles. I mean, there's something sort of very <laughs> bro- broke back mountain about that. Uh <laughs> So I, you know, I thought honestly, like that was more interesting. Like, it would be more interesting than if, like, Carol and you know, like, 
they definitely do a, a really great job on this show. Like you could like the the thing you might have expected would be like Carol to be charmed by a child, you know, because she has this history with like the girls at the jail and the the girl that she killed and and all this other stuff. And yet they completely flip the script and they have a scene where da- where Carol is terrifying a child right. and threatening him and that Daryl, who's the one who you think is the least likely to buy into the Alexandria situation, is shown, you know, ju- just through the circumstances of, you know, well, he's like an outdoors guy. He likes to smoke cigarettes and hunt and drink moonshine. And, of course, he likes horses. And he might or might not have been in a biker gang. You know, of course, he likes bikes. Uh, it's it's also you know. it's also an interesting thing to have these characters who are so used to being you know constantly on the grind in a place where they have to adjust to these conditions where they're not right up against conflict all the time and i feel like you know daryl kind of softened up because i think yeah when he did see the horse as well as when he saw the motorcycle at the end i feel like these are things that triggered him that he wasn't exposed to um you know throughout i don't know through the throughout the seasons but that things that play with his heart a little more than than usual but it's interesting to see each of these characters who are constantly on the road like you know constantly being tested now that they don't have a real uh you know enemy in front of them what do we you know how do they react and so it's kind of interesting to see how they go crazy it seems like Sasha went crazy the normal way, but it seems like Rick towards the end of the episode, he's like flipping out, like trying to mind meld with a zombie across the, the, you know, across the gate or something or the wall or whatever, but just, just kind of weird scenes. And I have to say these kind of episodes don't really, uh, you know, they drop little clues here and there, but I don't know if they're dropping the biggest clues. I think the biggest thing was that Rick kissed this woman and I think that's what really had the internet kind of going a little crazy. It was like now he's got feelings again, and you know, but he's also crazy, Rick. So you remember right. when Rick started seeing his wife and oh, I'm making getting phone calls. Yeah, and, you know, and so yeah, I think yeah. we might be back on that, Rick, and he's security guard, Rick. So it's like, who knows what's really going on? Well, I think all right, a couple of things. I, I guess I like this episode more than you did because I thought it did a couple of things really well, like. I always, almost always think The Walking Dead is bad, and this is not to diss the show, but is much better in non-dialogue scenes. I think they they do like an A-plus dramatic job of like showing, not telling. And just starting with Sasha waking up and looking at these pictures of these people whose house she's in. Um, and just, you know, like that, that illustrated how they, you know, she doesn't fit in where they're at more than any dialogue and so there there was a bunch of visual stuff like even the thing with with rick and the zombie where he's touching the fence and the zombies on the other side like it sort of demonstrates they're in a different place like there's a wall now that that just wasn't there i also think that uh and i i obviously could be wrong that you know the show can't just keep having them getting into these situations where they find a utopia and then the utopia turns on them i kind of like the idea that they're gonna actually bring disaster on themselves by trying to either take over or to cover like already you know we don't know what's gonna happen but carol threatening this kid and being caught stealing guns like is like is not gonna look good for our crew and and that could you know snowball into some sort of bad situation but 
Or they could actually out now be like, look, you people can't don't know what you're doing. We're going to take over. Um, and so there seems to be like they're flexing in a way, you know, that we haven't seen before, where before they would show up and be like, OK, yeah, this is your show. We're just here. We're thankful to be here. And um, I feel like they're, you know, they're more in the driver's seat. And so whatever conflict comes, I think might be a, as a result of them as well as, you know, or in, or not even as well as the Alexandria people. Now, there's definitely stuff being dropped, you know, clues left and right. I mean, they found a, um, a zombie with W carved in his head. And then there's a little kid going out and giving A stamps, which you think the A could be for, you know... Alexandria, or it could be some exotic uh, product placement for A and W root beer. Yeah, I don't think. I, I thought there would be some hurting or some sort of way of identifying you versus maybe that there's another kind of city state. There's like another Sparta right. around the corner or something like they don't that they don't know about and that they wage war on each other. I don't know. I don't know about the comics. Uh, I heard that the no, I, I don't either. Actually. I, I heard the horse was a shout out to uh, Buttons the horse that was in the comics, and um, apparently that meant something to all those who know both, and I'm sure Ben would know both. But uh, but I feel like um, it's just they're in a place where you know nothing that they know is available, and so they don't trust anybody, and now they're not starting to trust each other, and that's when we see the fabric of the group kind of come apart we haven't seen it full-blown yet maybe that's where it's gonna go you brought up some good points about you know every time they meet a, a utopia something has to happen um aren't they still trying to go to dc at some point i, I don't know why well that that's true too i mean they were obviously trying to get you know um what's his face eugene to dc but they decided well let's try and get there anywhere which does make sense in the sense of you know there would be all kinds of protocols and defenses in D.C. that don't exist anywhere else in the country. And so you would think that things would be, you know, um, more normalized there in D.C., although more normalized could be, you know, getting herded into some kind of, you know, camp or something like that until they figure out what to do with you. But, um, yeah, you're right. That that completely, that should have been brought up. Like, there should have been some scene where someone was like, well, hey, why aren't we going to D.C.? Or aren't we going to D.C.? Or, hey, what's going on in D.C.? You know, asking Deanna. Um, so, I, I mean, I, I, I buy everything on the face of it. Um, and, you know, in the sense that she is some ex-politician who did, I, I feel like, it, you know, if she is in fact an ex-politician who is a little naive, like this is what, what she would do. And her ideal situation is to come upon people like Rick who are still human enough that they can be, you know, socialized again, but yet, you know, brawny enough that they can handle themselves. I, I just don't, in, in this kind of world, you can't trust people. And I don't know, I'm always wary about anybody who makes claim to this is how we do it and this is what works for us. And I mean, you got to have some sort of order in the zombie apocalypse for sure. Otherwise, it's just going to be rampant chaos. But if from a writer's perspective, we're hanging with this particular crew who their sense of family and camaraderie come from being battle worn and all of a sudden they're put in a position where their pseudo humanity is being returned and they're 
forced to forget who they were before somehow right. something's gonna crack and it might be them who like you said inflict on the group you know of these tamer alexandrian suburbanites as opposed to the opposite which we have seen in the like terminus and woodbury where they were led by these maniacs so we'll see what happens there's only three episodes left in the season you know lot to lot to explore still so we'll see yeah, I mean, I, I'm wondering if this is going to get wrapped up this season or if, like, the other shoe is going to drop as the, you know, last shot of the of this season. Because I actually felt like the hospital thing would have benefited had there been more time, like, if we had been a little more invested in the characters in the hospital. Um, it just sort of came and went. It was, like, two or three episodes, and then it was over. And so one one of the things that really worked about the governor was that you were invested in him as a character, even if you loathed him and wanted to see him die. You only really loathed him and wanted to see him die because you had seen all his, you know, craziness. Yeah, and I had a problem with that, too. I, I didn't, I don't know, some, some, some episodes were really governor-heavy, and I was just like, this is a waste of my time. I have problems with, with uh, some of the episodes where they choose to focus, and, you know, I've said that before on Special Delivery. But all in all, this episode was what it was. Like, again, I feel like they could have, besides Buttons the Horse dying, something else could have happened. I don't know, a little, right. a little more tragic. But who knows? It might be a table-setting episode. Well, potentially Carol getting caught by the kid could set something up down the line, you know. I mean, one scene where the kid is like, oh, yeah, and I saw Carol taking guns during the party. I mean... That that could that could precipitate an armed confrontation. Yeah, I mean, we need to see more crazy than not. I mean, I don't watch right, the right. show. I'm just saying plot wise, right, for, right, you know, upcoming. But I, yeah, Game of Thrones is good for the palace intrigue versus the violence. With Walking Dead, I you know you want to see a good it's balance true. of you know characters trying to hold it together while they kill off some walkers. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, we also saw. Um, the dude who was with Daryl, he actually referred to the walkers as walkers, whereas the other people in Alexandria referred to them as something else, like lurkers. It wasn't lurker, but something like that. And I picked up on that, like, you know, just the idea that they're, like, you know, picking up their lingo, you know? Right, right. They're already having an influence. Right. So I get yeah that's it for Walking Dead but there was very very big big news uh, potentially for fans of Gotham and uh, good TV and Batman everywhere this week yeah be still my heart um, Gotham continues its forward momentum but I just found out you know that Jada's not coming back for season two Jada Pinkett Smith now how how official is that because there was some. I, I read that, and I heard that, and I was definitely concerned. And then I read some very bland, like, denial, non-denial. But is that, like, official? Like She, you know, she said it, it on some interview show, and uh, and I read it in the, in the paper, and she said it out loud. She said, no, I won't be coming back. But she said, there's a lot of good stuff coming up. So this is how I think. This is my theory. Gotham has been great, but you take out Fish Mooney and – a lot of it just falls by the wayside for me. Although Penguin oh, is really good, but there's something about Fish Mooney. Not not that I always want to see her, but there's something about her storyline that makes it so interesting. The other thing is that was a character written for the show. She's originating right. the character, right? It's right. like 
you know, she's originated. You can't get somebody else to play Fish Mooney. I mean, you could, but it's not the same. And I really do feel like since she was a star before that she was trying to negotiate probably like an executive producer credit. You know, she had her own show on Hawthorne. So I feel like maybe she was trying to negotiate a little too much. Um, although I probably would have caved in and given it to her, to be honest. Um, but yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I think it would be the de- like literally like, you know, a potential death knell to the show. I mean, there's obviously no one could play Fish Mooney. I mean, she has created, you know, one of, you know, the if not the most. Yeah, one of the most interesting characters on TV. And it's certainly her. I mean, you couldn't get someone else to play it. And it's a character who I think works so well in the uh, Batman universe. Like, that's a dicey proposition, creating a new character to fit in because even like falcone and maroney like they're all over the comics they're all over like the batman long halloween all all of that stuff dark victory they're part of the the batman mythos like officially um and so she's like the only thing that was created to be new and it was you know basically it's between her and the penguin and maybe alfred as a distant third as far as what have been the best things about god no it's clearly her um, her or the penguin, depending on the episode. But even then, it's since the recent storyline starring her, since they got her out of the club, it's been her, and the show will will suffer immensely. Um, now I don't know if it. Yeah, I mean, she was also you know she had her own TV thing, but she's you know started as a movie star. Maybe she thinks you know TV's not you know the screen isn't big enough. I don't know. I mean, whatever, it, whatever. The it would be bad. I was also thinking that maybe this is a ploy for her to like dip out. And instead of the the seasonal grind, that she could dip out, do other projects, and then Fish Mooney could make like a couple of appearances. You know what I mean? And that would be fine. And that would be absolutely fine. Like, you know, I want them to only do like a Flash Arrow crossover like once a year. Like, I don't want it to become like an every other episode type of thing. <laughs> and if they if they just brought in Fish Mooney for like a couple of story arcs each season, like that would be fine. But. I think killing her off would be a really uh, a big mistake. And um, since Gotham came back from its hiatus, and we've both been saying, but I think it's been a lot better. And I think her character and her storyline has been more than 50% of that. Yeah. Of why she, it's better. Yeah. And, and, you know, to be honest, there's a lot of talk about, like, the Empire, like, uh, Taraji's performance. Absolutely. On yeah. Empire and... You know, Octavia on uh, how to get away with murder and um, uh, scandal. So all these like, you know, and I think Fish Moon is right up there and she's in the fandom universe. And so it's like to have a black woman like really that strong in a fandom universe role. I feel like that's that's something to be of note, you know, to mention um, over and over again. And I'm glad it's, you know, Jada. She She's really killing it and bringing it on that show. So um, hopefully, you know, we'll get some more in season two or we'll see. We'll see how they flip it. These season twos that are coming up, are, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of shaking my head like True Detective season two. I'm just shaking my head. I have no idea what this is going to be like. Right. You know, um, hopefully it'll be something new and different. But uh, because there's no way it can be what it was for season one. So hopefully for Gotham season two. There'll be something of, uh, you know, substance and a continuity that's a little more dynamic than what's going on right now. Um, or original, I should say, because it's going to be hard to top what they're doing right now. Um, and uh, 
also you just mentioned the flash um there hasn't been any episodes of the flash for the past two weeks uh i don't know what that's about but uh hopefully when it comes back it'll be kicking some ass because that last episode we talked about was pretty good yeah no i'm definitely excited to see gorilla grot and again we've been saying that the flash was a bit of a surprise not not i mean i just was um I didn't think it was going to be as good as it is. Let's put it that way. And I'm very pleasantly surprised by The Flash. Um, the Arrow, which is sort of its companion show because the spinoff out of it, has been inconsistent this third season. Although I maintain the second season of Arrow was one of the best seasons of, you know, I agree. anything I agree. on TV. But um, and, th- and that happens, you know. I mean, you get like a run, a story where it's like really good. I mean, even in comics... You could have the same writer and same artist, but there's like one storyline that definitely sticks out. I mean, when people talk about the Chris Claremont, John Byrne X-Men, they're definitely, you know, they're thinking about the whole Phoenix saga, you know? Right. I mean, there's other great stuff in there and, you know, certainly, you know, the Alpha Flight stuff and there's a lot of great stuff, but... Hellfire Club, you know, what, what leads up right. to Dark Yeah, Phoenix. but the, the Hellfire Club is part of that right, Phoenix right, stuff, right, you right, know? right, right. <laughs> Well, yeah. so yeah, it's uh, you know Flash is coming back and and has been great and uh, Daredevil is coming to Netflix. Uh, in is it in April? It's in April, and we've been seeing all these stills that they've been letting out and all these trailers and uh, oh, and then the the latest. Um, speaking of all this comic book, movie, and TV stuff, the latest Age of Ultron um, trailer dropped a couple of I think two days ago. Yeah, um, that looked really good. Um, I mean, I'm pretty much going to be rooting for Ultron. I imagine I know how it's going to turn out. But just from that, that trailer, because um, that was the one that was the most Ultron heavy trailer. Yeah, and then it had that picture of the Vision at the end. I thought that was yep. cool. Yep, yep. Um, and th- so yeah, I might, I might, I might. This might be the first, the first Marvel movie I see where I'm going to be rooting for the villain. <laughs> Well, James Spader, man, you can't go wrong yeah. with him. You know what I mean? And so. uh, yeah, no, and and Ultron is dope, and he's right. There are there are too many people on the planet. <laughs> that is that is something you've told me off air many times. <laughs> yeah, so you're you're good with that, um, right? Uh, but and if Ultron feels he can pick the people, then you know, hey, all power to him. You know, um, no, I'm just kidding, but. Um, yeah, I was, I was definitely, you know, I was psyched by that trailer. Although I gotta be honest, nothing comes close to the, the Star Wars trailer. You know, from this year, we've had this, the Star Wars trailer, a couple of these Age of Ultrons. Actually, I thought that wrote the Mad Max trailer looked really I, good. I was gonna say, yeah, Mad Max is the one that, that, uh, Fury Road is the one that, the best trailers I've seen, so. But, like, what, what Ben Hameen mentioned, like, you know, there is this moment in the Star Wars trailer where the, you know, the, the Millennium Falcon, like, is soaring and then the music goes and it's like, holy shit, like, there's going to be a new Star Wars movie and there's every reason to believe it's not going to be terrible. Right. And a trailer is a trailer is a trailer. So, right, right. Absolutely. so we have to see the movie and not fall for it. Um, I've seen some great trailers for the Vikings TV show and then the last episode I watched... It was not, you know, I still can't get into the show, man. Right. So you uh, you, you actually saw the most because I thought the first two were a little lackluster. I gave the first one a pass because it was a there's been three episodes. I gave the first one a pass because I was like, all right, they're setting stuff up. And then the second one sort of continued setting some stuff up. Um, they, I did feel like things started happening. We've had a couple of good battle sequences. And I thought this most recent one had a pretty good battle um, it had a death of a, of a pretty, you know, 
a major supporting character. Um, there has been a lot, I will admit, a lot more of talking. And it's weird because uh, most of the characters are in England, not back in their in their village. And so a lot of the sort of village stuff isn't really happening. And I always found that to be uh, really interesting. Although they have brought your uh, the, the dude from The Strain who uh, played the Russian guy and played Martin Kimi on, uh, on Lost. He's on the Vikings now, and, and his Vikings accent is much better than his Russian accent on the strain. <laughs> maybe maybe they told him uh, he has a better, right. you know, uh, what do you call it, accent coach? or dialogue, and, well, dialogue, and his eyebrows coach. are not as, as, as weird and unnatural looking <laughs> yeah, the, either. Yeah, the makeup is, is better on the Vikings for sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I can see what you're saying. I don't know. I, I definitely dig it. I think there's... Uh, there's some interesting stuff going on. I, I think uh, a lot of fan bros would dig it. I do think if you like Game of Thrones, it's not the same kind of show, and it doesn't, you know. I mean, Game of Thrones is a, you know, a uh, gold standard, but I, I do think that there's a lot there. And there is uh, something weird culturally about them, about the Vikings, in that they do live this sort of weird tribal you know existence that is not what you normally see from that period i mean they're essentially you know i don't know i don't know that 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 i feel like you get a, a more of a sense of when you're dealing with their like domestic stuff in in the village which they haven't been this season yeah well i i tried and you know okay yeah that's all we can ask <laughs> Um, but I know you're excited about the revolutionary spy series turn that's coming back next uh, month. Yeah, no, that was a pleasant surprise. I was not planning on watching that. And then I, um, I, I was impressed with the pilot. And uh, I think it's, you know, it's a good, uh, I, honestly, it's the best show that's ever, uh, ever uh, been filmed in Long mm. Island uh, on TV. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's George Washington spies, you know, uh, you know, spying against the British and, you know, writing messages and hard boiled eggs and stuff like that. And, you know, having elaborate signals and nobody knows, you know, people don't trust each other. And some people are loyal to the English and some people are loyal to George Washington. And, uh, you know, it, it the show was was uh, it was better done than I thought it was going to be. Um, and so I, I, you know, maybe I just because I had low expectations uh, and it has a really dope, creepy, uh, super creepy b British villain. Nice. That always helps. Yeah, like super pasty-faced and creepy and, and weird uh, and evil. Um, so, yeah, I mean, uh, I can't... That That's another one that I don't... You know, I, I, I was pleasantly surprised with it. I'm not, you know... I'm not out there, you know, wave, waving the, uh, the turn flag, but if... Uh, if you want to see a, a well-done historical drama that's got some action, um, that definitely qualifies. Nice. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, with this schedule, you know, there's there's always some new things around the corner or shows restarting up. And, uh, you know, this, this year, there, there's more than ever. So, uh, yeah, when does, uh, you brought it up, but when does True Detective come on? Is that April also? I don't think it's April. I think it's later. Um, uh, yeah, I'm not sure. I, I'm, you know, and to be honest, I, I don't know if I'm going to hit it like that, you know? Uh, I don't know if you're going to, if I'm really going to hit it that hard like last time. I, I, my hopes are up, but from what I've been seeing, uh, unless it's like one big, you know, Easter egg that they're leading me the wrong way or not Easter egg, but like, 
you know, some sort of scavenger hunt where all the press photos and all the little things are supposed to not get you excited. I, I don't know how this could be anything close to what the first one was. Well, I mean, the shoes that it has to fill are so mo- monumental. And it's not like, so you could say, yo, Game of Thrones had an amazing first season, but then everybody was coming back for the second season, you know, behind the camera and in front of the camera. Um, you know, this, it's, you're starting from scratch again. And so it's very, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's going to be hard. I mean, if you, if you go in just comparing it to the first, you know, if you, if you're, if you binge watch the first season of True Detective now, like just to get yourself prepared, you're, you know, you're probably going to be disappointed, but hopefully not. I mean, I, I, I have my hopes, you know, there's no, there's no reason that I want it to be, you know, one iota less dope than last time. Now, want and will are, you know, often two different things. Exactly. All right, man. That sounds good. I think that's good. I'll let you uh, go off uh, into other parts of the Nostromo so you can spend time with Ripley and Jonesy. I'm going to try and, and I'm going uh, to try and save Dallas before he gets taken out. Right. Exactly. Um, all right. I. Uh, I'm signing off in the escape pod and heading back uh, back to Brooklyn. Fan pros, F-A-N-P-R-O-S, for all nerds. Fan